This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 37 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Hello, everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and welcome to our show here from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I am here every week as we talk about the mental side of sports on this show. Psychology, mindsets, confidence, attitude, focus, dealing with wacko parents on the sidelines, dealing with coaches who get out of control. What do winning and losing really mean? What does success and failure really do to you in terms of your performance? How do you get a scholarship psychologically? What does it involve to get to that point? How do you survive in sports? That's what we talk about on this show. I'm in my 28th year of radio in the Kansas City area, my 18th year here at Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. And our show, I'm proud to say, is now on a number of stations around the country. And our list is growing, and I'm looking forward to continuing that with the the goal of getting this show to be a national show. Because it's really the only show on radio that... It's all about sports psychology because that's what I that's what I do. And in my 39 years of work, I've had the privilege of working with athletes at all levels of sport, from little kids and college youth sports to collegiate, high school collegiate, professional, and the Olympic teams. I love what I do because what I try to do is help people accomplish their goals, help people be their best. And if you've listened to the show, you know one of the things that I like to get into is helping make the environment a positive one for kids, for parents, and coaches. We have so many scenarios out there where kids lose interest in playing sports because of pressure. Pressure from parents, pressure from coaches, expectations, and I hear this all the time. I just had a a high school golfer in my office this week. Actually, just saw him yesterday. And we talked, and he and he is a plus two handicap. So this young man is really good. But we talked about the pressure he feels at times from his parents to have to play really well. And we talked about his communication with his parents and how he gets along with them. He's got great parents; they want him to do well, but sometimes the pressure, the expectations, can wear on him. So consequently, one of the things I try to look into as far as having guests on this show is finding people around the country to talk to who have a similar perspective and attitude, sometimes maybe a different one, and we talk about it. And I am very, very fortunate this morning to have a young lady on with me. Her name is Michelle Holmes. She has the Michelle Holmes School of Golf back in Virginia, and she's been kind enough to join us this morning for the hour. Michelle, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for getting up and joining me today and talking about what you do. I found out about you because you you found out about my book, and consequently I've been reading up about you, and and I've been on your website, 
And there's a great line on here. The Michelle Holmes School of Golf's mission is to create experiences that encourage kids to want to play the game and in all capitals forever. Okay. What's, what's that mean? Why did you come up with that? So um, it all goes back to, at the end of the day, you know, parents really want their kids to excel at things. But to excel at anything, we absolutely have to love what we're doing. Kids do things because they're fun and engaging, where we as adults, you know, tend to do things maybe with an end goal in mind, or we like things because we're good at them, but kids like things because they're fun. And last year at the PGA show, I actually saw a, a panel of kids some, a couple of them actually world champions. And they were on stage and they were asked why they love golf. And not one of them mentioned anything about winning, about world championships, about trophies. It was all about playing with their friends, being able to play with their mom and dad. Um, so that was a really big, I already knew that, of course, but just seeing that on stage in front of me was such a big eye-opener to all this. That is awesome. See, that that's to me what it should be about it should be about the enjoyment having fun growing getting better and you know you're an lpga teaching professional you're a master kids teacher you're obviously not you didn't obviously grow up in alabama with your accent tell everybody where you're from (laughs) so i'm from ireland so i grew up playing junior golf back there and then um, i was fortunate enough to get a college scholarship to campbell university in north carolina and once I finished Campbell, I always knew teaching was going to be my route. If I wasn't, uh, if I wasn't a golf coach, I was going to be an elementary school teacher. So excuse me, excuse me. Let me. Why is that? Tell tell us why. Um, why I was always going to be a coach, or yeah, what, what was kids. what was it about your passion to want to want to teach? Obviously, coaching teaching is the same thing. It's it's helping. Uh, I just love kids development, but I guess it all goes back to. I mean, I had the most wonderful junior golf coach. And his name was Charlie McGoldrick. He passed away a few years ago, sadly. But he was such a huge inspiration to me. And I just remember growing up, you know, I, I, I had a good junior golf career, but I always knew that I wanted to do what he did. I knew he had such an impact on my life. I saw the impact that he had on so many other people's lives. And I guess that just touched me so much. You know, one of the reasons I do what I do is to help people, and that's why you're doing what you're doing, is to help kids and parents enjoy the game of golf. And you said you would have been an elementary school teacher had you not been a golf instructor. Is that basically just because you, you like helping p- people as well just accomplish their goals? Yeah, I guess it does go back to just, you know, helping people. And um, You know what? It's more fun to be around kids too, right? <laughs> well, yeah, it is. you don't have the challenges sometimes. Sometimes you have more challenges. It just depends on... So tell us about your golf school, because I'd like for people to understand what, it, what you do. So we have a kids' golf school here in Virginia. We have three different locations, and we are 100% kids now. And I actually only, for the last maybe three years, I've taught one adult. So uh, he's just a big kid, so we love having him on board. But well, we are aren't, aren't, Excuse me, aren't most adults big kids anyway? <laughs> I don't know. It's a little different teaching um, adults than it is kids. The one thing I love about teaching kids is that, you know, they have no fear. You know, I, 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 that's awesome. They have no fear. Right. They, they, they have, because no they, they're not afraid of what? What are they not afraid of? Failing, right? They don't worry Failing. about it. At, at a young age, you know, they don't care unless, unless what, Michelle? The parents start saying stuff to them about it, right? And what I, parents always say to me, you know, when their kids are six, seven, eight, they're like, I wish they cared more about it. Or, you know, I wish they tried more. I wish they 
would feel more. And I'm like, look, those days are going to come. They're going to be grumpy teenagers soon enough. Just appreciate it and let them just love the sport and let them play without that fear of consequence or fear of, you know, the repercussions they're going to get off mum and dad because, you know, they're going to grow up and they're going to lose this innocence and, you know, then you're going to be around, you're going to be going around saying, oh, I wish my teenager wasn't so grumpy and, and so on. So you've got three schools and you, you only teach kids now. What was it that made you decide to just, just focus on kids and not, not really deal with adults? Um, I just absolutely love the development of it. I love getting a child that's three and four years old and seeing them all the way through to college golf. You know, there's, it's, you're not just their golf coach. You're not just teaching them a golf swing. You're involved in their entire life. Um, and I often say to my coaches, we don't coach kids, we coach families. And um, going back to, you know, what you do as a sports psychologist, I'm absolutely fascinated by it. And if I knew then what I know now, pro- I probably should have studied psychology instead of business in, um, in college. Um, but I just love the whole development and seeing that child grow from when they're four or five years until we let them go off to college. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest this morning is Michelle Holmes from the Michelle Holmes School of Golf in Virginia. We're having a wonderful conversation about teaching kids, and we're going to get into the whole program that she does, but the psychological part of how she teaches and why I wanted to have her on as a guest today is because her philosophy parallels mine in terms of winning isn't as winning is a result. Winning is important, but it's a result. It's more about having fun. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio. The world of youth sports has grown tremendously in the last few years, and with that growth comes questions. What's the right age to let my child start playing? When should winning and losing become important? And how can the youth sports experience be fun? These questions and many more are addressed head-on in sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs' book, Just Let Him Play, guiding parents, coaches, and athletes through youth sports. Written with Major League Baseball pitcher Jeff Montgomery and Hall of Fame swimming coach Peter Malone, Just Let Him Play tackles the issues that make youth sports increasingly difficult for parents, coaches, officials, and especially kids. Just Let Him Play explains the importance of winning and losing, success and failure, and why it's okay when not every athlete gets a trophy. For more information and to get your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click 
products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, for your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section. When dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL, opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets, anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. Today I'm talking with a wonderful young lady. Her name is Michelle Holmes from the Michelle Holmes School of Golf back in Virginia. And Michelle's been kind enough to join us today throughout the hour. And if you have a question about teaching your kids, not just golf, but sports, this this is a young lady who gets it and who understands how to teach kids. In fact, her school of golf, she has three locations in Virginia. It's just about teaching kids. If you have a question, you want to get your child involved in sports, maybe not golf, could be gymnastics, whatever, but I think she's got a great perspective. Give us a call. Now, Michelle, let me ask you a couple definitions from your perspective. What is, first of all, what's your definition of winning? Winning. Um, okay, I might go off topic here, but I always, after my kid competes in a golf tournament, the one thing I always ask, I always ask, did you show up prepared? And I always try and bring it back to true success, and I guess winning success, true success is showing up prepared, knowing that you showed up prepared. You're not going to be able to control every factor that happens on game day or on the golf course or whatnot. But as long as you know that you showed up prepared, you gave it everything, then you can walk away knowing that you were successful, that you were a winner. I think that's a great perspective. What are the answers you typically get? Um, Typically, no, I wasn't fully, I I could have done more. (laughs) 
Um, but I put this back on my students all the time. And I think it's something that they've started to think about now before I ask the question. And that was my whole purpose of it, is I want the kids thinking about this in the weeks coming up to their tournaments, not um, after the fact. So winning to you isn't really about the score. It's about how they got ready. Exactly. I think that's a great way of looking at it. And I really try, you know, and I, I know I keep going back to golf here, but, you know, I run U.S. kids golf tournaments. I know everyone doesn't agree with kids competing so young, but that is part of what I do. Um, and so I'm always there on tournament days. But when my kids come up to the scoreboard or to this scoring table, I will never ask them their score for the day. Never. I'll ask them, you know, did you have fun playing with Hannah or did... You know, do you have fun with your dad out there? Um, but I'll never ask them that score because I don't want them to feel that that's what they're about. I want them to realize that their golf score is not who they are. Golf is just something they do. You know, my so my definition of winning is did you go out and do your best that day? If you did your best that day, you won. It doesn't doesn't mean it does, the score doesn't matter as much to me as the effort you put into it. So I think you're saying the same thing in, in a different way, yeah. but the same thing. Okay, what, mm-hmm. what does losing mean to you? What does losing mean to me? Um, I guess losing... I, hate, I, I don't like the word losing. I guess it's a word I don't use too much. But I guess not having your most successful day, I guess, in, in, in golf, we're going back to... It's not just, again, about that win. It's about, did you have good sportsmanship out there? Did you try your best? And we just need to have a hard look at those questions. And are we, are we answering yes or no to those questions? And I guess if we're answering no to those questions, um, myself and the students will be having a little talk. <laughs> now, with parents, which we'll get into more in the, in the second part of the show, but dealing with parents with those two words, do those words come up that you have to explain them to parents sometimes? Because I, you know, I, I get this whole thing from parents a lot of the time when they come bring their, their child into my office, whether they're a youngster or, or a teenager, you know, we want to win. We want to come in first. We don't want to lose. I get that a lot. Do you, do you get that from, from parents? Sometimes we want to, we want to see our child become a winner and not, not a failure. Yes, I get, you know, golf's a little bit of a different sport because it's a quieter sport, right? We don't have parents screaming on the sidelines. But yes, I know those things are going through parents' minds. Um, But what I always try and tell parents is, you know, how your child is performing now at age eight or nine years old has absolutely no bearing on their future. It's how you're reacting to their performance has every bearing. You just mentioned the word score. Okay, mm-hmm. and, and and obviously, in in a youth sporting event, it could be a softball game, soccer game, volleyball game, whatever, a swim meet, the score, the time, measure. We in our society here, and I don't know if you if this happens with you as much when you grew up in Ireland, but we spend so much time here focusing on results, and I don't I don't the materialistic result of a game or a score. And see, for me with kids, it shouldn't be about that. It should be about what did you learn today? How did you grow today? I'm, I'm really big, Michelle, on, on keeping journals and writing down what did you learn today about yourself and how did that make you better and maybe what's something you want to improve on and how are you going to be better for tomorrow? What do you think about that? 
oh, of course, it's, it's you know, sport, any sport, it's all about the self-improvement. And, we, and we've got to really focus on that. If a child is walking away, think, you know, thinking a loss is a failure and a win is a, is, is success, then the, the growth is going to be so limited. You know, especially in a sport like golf. I mean, when you have kids golf, you might have a, a field of, let's say, girls 12 to 14, and the girl finishing in first place might be shooting 74. The girl, fin- you know, finishing in 10th place might be shooting 110. You know, it's all personal journey. That girl shooting 73 just has to focus on getting better the next day herself. That girl shooting 110, she's just got to focus on, on, on getting better. So it's all about self-improvement. You know, one of the, the unique things I think about golf, and I've played my whole life, I'm going to be 65 in three months, and I started when I was eight, although tennis was my main sport growing up. Um, one of the, the things that I work with people on, especially with golf, is I, I call it TNS, the next shot. And your, mm-hmm. your, your sole focus just needs to be on the next shot. The shot you just hit doesn't matter. The shot three shots ahead doesn't matter. It's only the shot you're going to hit. How do you feel about that? Oh yeah, kids. well, I mean, um, I'm not sure how it works in tennis, but you know, especially in golf. I mean, in golf, you're out there for potentially four hours. You're swinging for about two minutes of those four hours. So the other three hours and fifty-eight, uh, three hours and fifty-eight minutes, that's just nothing but self-talk. And I always tell parents, especially parents, if you're if you're caddying for your child, especially a young child, you are a huge part of their mental game not just their self-talk that they're dealing with, it's your self-talk that they're dealing with. So we always have to be have to be looking forward. One little fun lesson I always do with my kids is I, I let them drive the golf cart with me. And I hope I there, aren't, there, there, are no, there are no police around, are there? Checking driver's <laughs> yeah. license. I may get in trouble for this one. So I let them drive the golf cart down the middle of the fairway, and I tell them to drive looking forward. And, of course, they get so excited and it's easy to drive the golf cart. And then I say, okay, look behind you. And I make them turn their head and look behind them. And now they have to drive the golf cart. That's a, you know, a lot harder. You know, I, I have a, a saying I like to tell people just about life. I like to look out the front windshield, not the rearview mirror. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Are you an athlete, competitor, or ordinary individual who wants to learn how to relax, build confidence, and think more positively? Then the 20 Minutes to Success series of digital downloads and audio CDs from sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs are perfect for you. 20 Minutes to Success will teach you techniques to help you succeed. Dr. Jacobs covers topics like deep breathing for better focus, confidence building, and positive visualization. The 20 Minutes to Success series includes programs for individual sports like swimming, running, tennis, and baseball. You can also target overall athletic performance or relaxation. For more information and to get 20 minutes to success on digital download or CD, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, to get 20 minutes to success, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. 
Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project, so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this, or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811 brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. If you suffer from COPD symptoms like shortness of breath and fatigue, where do you turn? There are medications and oxygen, but do you know about pulmonary rehab? Three out of five COPD patients have never heard of it. Pulmonary rehab is an exercise, education, and support program that gives you tools to manage your condition, and Medicare typically pays for it. So whether it's grocery shopping on your own or just walking across the room, pulmonary rehab can help you. Visit livebetter.org to find out about your options for pulmonary rehab today. Here's farmer and landowner John Prue. We purchased the land about three years ago, and there was an old farmstead on there with trees. We were going to clear the land so we could farm through it. We thought we knew where the pipe was, so we didn't call to get it located. The work on our property led to the damage of a light crude pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio. 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week as we talk about sports psychology, the mental side of sports on this this show. And today, my guest is Michelle Holmes. She's the director of the Michelle Holmes School of Golf in Virginia. She's got three locations back there. And she's been kind enough to join us this morning having a great interview. So, Michelle, let me ask you. Parents. Okay, you teach kids. Mm -hmm. That means you're teaching parents, right? Yes. (laughs) Okay, so <laughs> very much so. I often say it should be the parents that are well. The parents are paying me for golf lessons, but it should be for their portion of the golf lesson that I'm getting paid, not for the kids' portion. Well, let's let's. <laughs> I want to get into that because 
since you work with specifically with kids, you've got to deal with the parents too. So yes. tell us about your philosophy, what you tell parents, your perspective with with their involvement, what you want them to do or not do, say or not say with their kids. And Well, I do want parents involved. You know, one of the things I made a mistake of as a, as a younger coach, I used to always say, well, I'm the coach and I'll do the coaching. I just need you to be the parent. Well, I'm not sure how it is in other sports, but in golf, you know, you might sign your kid up for maybe one or two lessons a week, okay? But if your kid is actually very serious about this sport and they really are trying to excel at it, they probably do need some help other than the one golf lesson they've booked with you a week. So I do try and I do try and speak with my parents as much as possible. I do try and give them the information to help their child on a physical level. But I as well I try to have continuous meetings, you know, about what our goals are and are is the coach, is the parent and is the child on on the same level? Are we all on the same page? You know, it's no good if the if the parents have these big dreams and you know well that the child has no intentions of this. I mean, we all have to be on the same path. Okay, have you, I, I am sure you have had to deal, you have had to deal with that before. Yes. Okay, so tell, can you share a story with us about that? Because I'd like to know how you, how you d- dealt with that. Um, so as far as, well, I can't think of a specific story right now, but as far as when you know that parent wants their child to, let's say, be the next world champion, and you realize, you know, you're in lessons with this child and you realize this kid is just, you know, just having fun. They, they, they don't even know what world championship means. Um, you know, I have to have continuous, um, uh, continuous conversations with those parents and, you know, really put it back to what I said earlier is that what we want to do here is create such a great environment, such a fun experience for your child that they are going to love this game so much that they are going to work so hard at it. If a child loves it, they are going to want to come back every single day and they're going to want to work really hard at it. And then when they're ready mentally, you know, a couple of years down the line or whatever, then we can talk about, you know, tournaments and, you know, what success means to your whole family. But the first thing we need to have done is we need to give them an experience that they've fallen in love with. And if they've fallen in love with it, I guarantee they will come back and they will want to work for it. When you have a parent who can be a little bit pushy, a little bit demanding, have goals that maybe exceed their kids or goals that may be unrealistic for their kids, how do you, as a, as a teaching professional, deal with that, confront that, and what, what do you say to them? Uh, you know, it just all goes back to realistic goals, having those conversations, and helping the parent make those goals and, and keeping those goals small and keeping them realistic. Um, you know, I think that's probably the biggest thing that we do well at our school, and I think that's really helped in that in that development. I, I am guessing this doesn't happen often, or, or I would say it probably rarely happens. But when you have a parent who gets frustrated because their their kid isn't getting better quick enough, and and just listening to you, I doubt that that happens very often with you because I I love your perspective. But if if you have had that, how how would you speak to them? Because I I know one of the problems that I hear a lot of with from a lot of parents is their child is not getting good enough fast enough because they need to get a scholarship. They need to go to college and play their sport. 
they need to, they want to play professionally they want to move on so when you have that scenario and i don't know if you ever have but but what would you say how would you handle it and um, i guess the biggest thing in, in my line of work dealing with young kids is yes i hear parents of nine-year-olds talk about college scholarships and and I really go back to look at what they're doing right now has no bearing. Yes, what they're doing at 15, 16 has every bearing on whether they're going to get into college. But, you know, when we're, when we're do, going back to young kids again, really, I always tell parents, your biggest job is, the, is to get them to 12 and 13 absolutely loving their sport. And if you can get them to 12 or 13 loving their sport, they're probably going to stick with it. And then they're coming to an age where they're really, you know, becoming their own person. And then they're going to take the harness and then they're really going to drive forward with it. And if they want to make it happen, they will make it happen. Do you have parents that disagree with you on that? Um, I have. I've had parents who are now, you know, they have kids who are now 13, 14, 15, and they say to me, wow, you were right. And I'm like, yes, you should have listened to me back then. <laughs> Yeah, makes a lot of sense. I know. I mean, it's easy, it's easy when you've been doing this for a long time as you have. You get it. Now, you're talking about kids turning into teenagers, getting to the point where the score starts to become important. The score does matter. I mean, in our book, Just yes, Let Them Play. Does. Of course it does. Yeah. Yep. We, we talk about you know, my co-authors are Jeff Montgomery, who is the Kansas City Royals all-time leading closer baseball pitcher and a wonderful guy. I've known Monty since 1990. And Pete Malone who coached the Kansas City Blazers swim team for 40 years, coached five gold medalists in the Olympics, coached over 10,000 kids. Both of them each coached one of my sons. Jeff coached my older son, Jonathan, in baseball, and my younger son, Gregory, swam until his senior year in college and grew up in the Blazer program. So why I have them both co-write the book with me? But we talk about this whole issue with parents and winning and losing, and we have a section in there called the Athletic Box where – we, we Everything points to the athlete. We have the, the officials, parents, and coaches all influence the athlete. But in the end, it comes down to the athlete. And we talk about winning and score. When should it matter? And to us, Michelle, it's 13-14. That's when the result start, does start to become important. You need to look at that. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I think I think in golf, 14-15 is definitely definitely the age for that. And, and, yeah, I think that's when the kid definitely has to be taking responsibility. And, again, you know, my whole thing is if, if we've done the right things from when they're 7 to 12, we probably have laid that foundation. We probably have created a strong mental athlete that can now run with that and who can take the game on for themselves and, you know, have that work ethic, have that love and passion for the game. And, you know, if they're not getting the results, I think we've simply got to go back to, okay, is the coach doing the right thing? Does the, does the child have the right goals in mind? Are they practicing correctly? Is the parent giving the child every opportunity? But again, kind of going back to, we have to have them prepared for that age. And it goes back to, you know, the love and a strong mental approach. In our last segment, we're going to get into stress and pressure and frustrations. But what, before we do and go to our next break here, what do you think, what have you perceived to be maybe one of the biggest frustrations and pressures that kids when they start to hit their teenage years, have with the sport of golf and with the result whole aspect? I guess with golf, I mean, you're, you're standing on your own two feet. I mean, you're out there for four hours on your own. It's a long time out there. I, again, I go back to the self-talk. You have two minutes of hitting, swinging the golf club and you have three hours and 58 minutes of self-talk. So I think, 
you know, for me as a coach looking on at kids, I guess that's the that's the biggest thing that we worry about. So what do you say as a, as a coach? What do you say to them? And we we're always trying to work on strategies. One of the things I do um, for the golfers out there is I try to use cues with my students on the golf course. Excellent. So my cue, my cue in college was, uh, I carried my bag in college. So once my bag, my the leg, the legs of my bag hit the ground, that was my time to focus on the shot that I have at hand. That is that is then, that is perfect. Excuse me, because what I what I always tell people is have a focusing cue. That's exactly what you're yes. doing. Have something that's your cue to remind you to relax and focus on the moment, and that's what you're telling them to do. Exactly. But the other thing, too, is, and my college coach did a great job of this, once we hit that shot, he said, okay, get as mad as you want, get as happy as you want, do whatever you want, but as soon as that bag strap hits your shoulder, that was our cue to, like, unfocus and maybe go chat to your playing partners about what you're doing this weekend or whatnot. You know, I always say, Michelle, I I always say a good coach is a good psychologist, and you obviously fit that classification. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm talking to Michelle Holmes from the Michelle Holmes School of Golf in Virginia. Great interview today. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio. Here's farmer and businessman James Wood. We farm about 3,500 acres. There's pipelines everywhere. The contractor working on my property did not have the lines located before he began work, and it resulted on a strike on a natural gas pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety campaign. All across the country, people are coming together to speed up what we can learn about health. The All of Us Research Program is calling on one million people to join us as we try to change the future of health. For your family, for future generations, for all of us. Visit joinallofus.org and find out how you can become one in a million. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. 
UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Welcome to our show here in Sports Radio 810 WHB. My guest today is Michelle Holmes from the Michelle Holmes School of Golf in Virginia, and we're having a great interview about her perspective about teaching kids. She teaches specifically just kids the, the sport of golf. And so, Michelle, I, I always like to say you can have two athletes who are physically the same, but the one with the stronger mind will be the one who will come out on top. I talk about four keys to success, preparation, focus, attitude, confidence. I'm really big on mental preparation. How do you teach kids to get mentally prepared to play? What do you say to them? What's the philosophy you try to teach them? Yeah, it's something we're constantly working on, you know, especially in the, in the, in the sport of golf. And again, it's something we're constantly working on with the parents. The parents are a huge part of that child's and um, child's mental approach. Um, but I guess in golf, um, you know, we're obviously always going back to the pre-shot routine. We're going back to those, those focus cues. And what I try and do with my kids, I try and get them to practice what they're going to do in tournaments. So we try and put pressure on their practices and we try and have them go through their mental and their physical routines, you know, in practice. And I feel like once they've done that in practice, it's going to translate over onto the tournament field better. One of the things I always tell golfers when you're playing is to not think about score, to try try to, as I said earlier, focus on TNS, the next shot. And because Mm -hmm. what I find is when people start focusing on score, they get uptight, they start worrying, they get tense. You've got to be, you know, your golf swing has got to be relaxed because muscle tension. And that's where I I have, you know, my website, I have a, a... relaxation and visualization exercise called 20 minutes to athletic success and i have them for different sports but that i have the generic one which i use for golfers goes through a it teaches people a breathing exercise then a muscle tightening and loosening exercise then we have a confidence building section and a visualization section where they visualize themselves playing their sport successfully and i encourage people to do that type of exercise say the night before they go play maybe an hour before they go out to, to perform. I, I had a, a surgeon I worked with years ago who played golf and got all uptight. He actually had sweaty palms. Not good for a surgeon to have sweaty palms, but he he <laughs> came to me because his palms got so sweaty when he swing the golf club, sometimes it would fly out of his hand. So he would go listen to the exercise in his car before he would get out of the car, and not when he's driving. He'd park the car, obviously, but he'd get to the course, listen to an hour before, listen to it go warm up and he said it really helped him relax and focus what do you think about that i love that um actually you know going back to your book and um, one of my parents recently read it and um, well i'm glad of, oh, thank you part, <laughs> that's the part they actually they took from it they, they spoke to me about the visualization part and again me as a coach i'm always trying to learn what i can do better but that was one thing the parent actually brought to me they said they love from your book 
So that's something that I am going to do a better job at, too. Well, I, I you know, uh, several years ago, Jason Day, I was watching a tournament. I can't remember what tournament it was, but he was uh, playing, and they were talking about him. He was in the lead, and Jason Day visualizes every shot before he hits it. He closes his eyes, visualizes the shot, then he takes his club out of his bag and hits the ball. And I don't recall who the announcer was, but he was making fun of me because I don't know what he's doing there. And then the other, the one of the other announcers says, oh, "I think he's, I think he's visualizing." And then afterwards, they interview him. He says, "Yeah, I visualize. I learned from a sports psychologist to visualize every shot, picture it before I hit it, see where I want to hit it." Focus on that. And I think it's important to have that type of routine mentally for every shot. And, and, and golf is a sport where you have the luxury, every shot's a new shot, and you're in control of what you're doing. So the pre-shot routine, to me, should involve mental preparation and visualization. What do you think about that? Oh, for sure. And I always tell my, my um, students, you know, one, golf sh- one bad golf shot does not ruin uh, you know, a hole. It doesn't ruin a, a scorecard. You're going to hit tons of bad golf shots in a round of golf. I can't remember what pro said it, but I remember hearing years ago on TV, a pro said, I hit one perfect shot in a round of golf, that, I, you know, that perfect, perfect shot. I hit 10 bad shots, and everything else is just somewhere in between. Well, Jack, Nich- think- J- Jack, Nich- excuse me. Jack Nichols was quoted once as saying, when he plays as close to a perfect round of golf as he could, this is in his prime, he'd, hit five, he'd have five to eight miss hits. Now, yeah, you know, and yeah. he'd shoot a score between 63 and 68. I'd love to have one of Jack Nicklaus's <laughs> miss hits because that would be the best shot I've ever hit. But, but you think about it, and, I, and I've worked with, with a lot of kids on this. Okay, if you have, say, five miss hits and you shoot 65, that's one out of every 13 shots is a miss hit. Yes, exactly. And that's, the, and that's arguably the greatest golfer of all time. So what's that say mm-hmm. to anybody else? So it's telling you it's how you deal with these mishits that's it's that's the problem or the it's it's how we deal with a mishit that determines the rest of the day. It's not the actual mishit. Yeah, and and see that's why you know I mean the the, the greatest thing about golf it's it is it, it literally is one shot at a time. So I think teaching kids and this is where to me it's important. I think it, when you're younger, teaching and, and since you work with so many young kids, teaching them just to focus on the next shot. Not to worry about the score. The, the score should only matter, it, 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 to me, your score should only matter at one point. You, and you know when that is? When the round is done? When the ball goes in the, in the cup on the 18th hole. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. I don't think it should matter. Because it, it really, if, you're, if you're worrying on, you're on number 16, and you're two over par, and you want to be even, and you're upset at that, then what happens? Exactly. And as well, golf is, is a game that you don't know what the rest of the field is doing. You know, it could be a day where it's bad weather elements. It could be a day where everyone's just having a bad day. So you always have to fight to keep, you know, to keep, keep in it. You know, it's not other, like other sports where you're playing one-on-one. Um, so, you know, 79 that might not be a great score for you. But if you, if you stay in the grind out there, 79 might end up winning on that particular day. So... As we wrap things up in, in this interview, and it's gone by so fast, I really love talking with you because your attitude is, is so parallel with what mine is. What would you say to people who are listening who want to get their kids involved in the sport of golf? How should they get them started? What would you encourage them to do and to make it fun, to make it enjoyable, to make it something they grow and learn at? Yeah. Uh, well, first off, I always tell them, you know, definitely get a, get a coach and um, I love the U.S. Kids website. You can go on there and put in your area code and all the U.S. Kids coaches that come up, and they've all been specifically trained in, in coaching kids. But 
So once you get a coach, um, you know, just just give your child the opportunity. Bring them to the golf course. Wait for them to ask you the questions. Wait for them to ask for more. And so don't push know, them. Don't push don't them. Don't push what you're them. Saying. Be a supporting mom and dad. And give them every opportunity, but don't put any consequences on the game. Let them fall in love with the game and let them find that passion for themselves. They find it for themselves. You will be absolutely amazed how far they can go with this game. Okay. I know it's not proper to ask a uh, lady her age. How old are you, Michelle? I'll, I'll be improper. I, uh, <laughs> I'm 37. 37. And you've been playing golf since you were how old? I started when I was 10. Okay. And you will be playing until you can't play, is my assumption, correct? Exactly. Golf is a sport, and golf is a sport for life. Exactly it is, and it's a sport you can do as a family. And, you know, you just reminded me of something there. You know, parents get so stressed out about college scholarships and whatnot, and I can't tell you how many times I've told the story. I played in my first, college, or my first junior tournament at 12 years old. I shot 127 for 18 holes. I finished dead last. My group was so far behind. I remember my dad giving me the lecture on pace to play when I came in. And you know what? I turned out all right. You know, I got that sounds like It sounds like we, it. we haven't met in person, but it certainly sounds like you have. Yeah, I think your perspective is awesome. You know, let we're going to wrap things up here. How can people get a hold of you? How can they find you if they want to you know, talk to you about this? Tell people all your contact information, where they can reach you. Yeah, a huge passion of mine is helping parents on this golf journey. So if anyone wants to reach out to me, go ahead. You can find me on Instagram at Michelle Holmes Golf and on Twitter at M Holmes Golf. So I would be happy to talk to anybody. Listen, it has been fabulous having you on as a guest. This has been a great interview. And, you know, as I mentioned, our shows are podcasted here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. You go to the site. Click on additional program, you'll find it. Our shows are podcasted on my website, which is winnersunlimited.com, W-I-N-N-E-R-S, unlimited.com. You can send me an email at drj at winnersunlimited.com. Give me a call at my office at 816-561-5556. Follow me on Twitter at drjsportspsych. Michelle Holmes, you've been awesome. I'm going to have you on again. And if I, I, I probably need to get some golf lessons from you as well. So thank you so much for being with us today. Good luck, and I will look forward to talking to you again. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. 
You were prescribed opioids after the C-section, when dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL. Opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them, just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets, anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station.